0: for our feature presentation.
1: If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's
0: different from all others. The greatness of the Raiders. Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would
1: build the finest organization in professional sports. There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players. The flame that would burn brightest here is the will
0: to win. Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have great coaches,
1: then after you have great coaches, you get great players have a great organization,
0: and you tell them one thing, just win, baby. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q, the most positive person in sports radio, and myself, Joe Arrigo. This is another installment of this show that is powered by... SB Nation on the Silver and Black 5 Podcast Network. What we have today are your emails. We're going to preview the Raiders trip across the pond against the Bears are playing in London, England. We're going to talk about the city of Oakland still messing up what they're doing or not doing with the Coliseum. We're going to talk about Vontaze birthday. But right now, let's start with the Raiders who are 2-2 going into the fifth week of the year. Q. This is a big game against the Bears, but let's talk about the Viking game, which to me was just a, a game where you kind of really, if you're a Raiders fan, you want to throw away the tape and never watch it again. And then the Colt win, which I think is starkly different. Now, going starting with the Viking game, the Raiders secondary, in particular, uh, Riley, looked lost. I mean, he was an abomination on the back end. Um... It really, to me, illustrated the loss of John Abram Like going forward. That was one of the things that, that kind of just stood out to me. Um, and I did my game balls, which is on Franchise Sports Media, uh, FranchiseSportsMedia.com. And the two people that got game balls were Darren Waller and A.J. Cole. Like, those are the two guys that, to me, stood out that game. There was not another person on that defense or that offense that stood out. And it kind of goes back to to me, and we'll get into this after I get your opinion. Uh, it goes back to people and Derek Carr, and just the love hate relationship people have with him during that game. You know, after the game, I should say there were so many people, bro, that that just Carr sucks. We need to get rid of him. He just just he just throws check downs. He doesn't take shots deep. He's scared in the pocket. He doesn't do this or that. But. When you look at the numbers, and if you're a stats geek, PFF has them in the top, I think it's the top 10 as far as quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So it, it it goes back to what we talked about on the last show. People love to hate Derek Carr. They don't feel that he's the guy to lead them, or when he does something good, then they love him, but he makes a mistake, it's the end of the world. Like you said, the grass is always greener. You always want what you don't have. But that Viking game, the Raiders didn't have anything in order. Josh Jacobs didn't touch the ball enough. Tyrell Williams had a horrible game. It, it just was, to me, a culmination, I think, of a lot of things that just kind of blew up in their face.
1: I agree, man. I agree. That Minnesota Viking game, man, all of a sudden it just was – it got away from them, and it got away from them in a hurry, and they just looked discombobulated the whole time. I mean, they really did. look like It looked like it was their first road game of the season. It looked like they were very uncomfortable on the road, kicking off early 10 a.m. West Coast starts uh the Raiders traditionally aren't very good at that even though uh they over the past few years they have started to come around especially under Jack Del Rio has started to come around on those 10 a.m. West Coast kickoff games and they just look like they kind of reverted back to their old self in that game it was really uh, a disappointing game and it's funny because it was a game that I was actually I actually had to watch After the fact that it actually played, I mean, I was in Arlington covering the Cowboys and Dolphins game, which was a snooze fest. But anyway, I had to cover that for ESPN Central Texas. So I was there and I remember saying, well, I'll just kind of keep up on the score and then I'll watch and see how it all shakes out at the house as soon as I get home. And I mean, it just got out of control so quickly. It was like, oh, it's seven nothing Vikings. I was fourteen nothing Vikings. I was twenty one nothing. I was like, oh, damn. I mean, it hasn't even really got started, and it just it was a snowball effect, man. Once one thing went bad, another thing went bad, three things went bad, and all of a sudden, here you go. You're down twenty one nothing. If you're playing Madden, you're off the sticks. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I mean, it's just it's that it's exactly what it is. And so that was one of those games. I think you hit it on the head right at the very beginning when you said that's a game. If you're the Raiders and the Raider fans, you take that tape. You ball it up, you throw it in the trash can, you set it on fire and never have to think about it again. It just was what it was. It was a bad showing all the way around. You mentioned Darren Waller had a good game. Yeah, he did late in the game. You know, I mean, he was able to get uh, some catches and kind of keep up with his consistency he's had so far throughout the season. But it was all late kind of garbage time stats. You know, I know the Tyrell Williams got a touchdown catch that night, but it was late in the game. And it was just, you know, it is what it was. It, It was over. Before it wasn't over, it was just done. And so it was just unfortunate that the Raiders were able to get off to that kind of start in Minnesota. Maybe the game's a little bit different if they get off to a better start, but they didn't. So, uh, you know, they just had to hope to rebound against the Colts. And lucky for them, they were able to do that.
0: One of the things that I love about living in Vegas, or I love even about L.A. when I lived in L.A., was I could watch whatever games I want to watch. It doesn't matter if it's a specific team. Because if they're laying a the stinker, I don't want to watch it. Growing up in Southern California in, in the '80s and '90s, the Rams weren't good, and the Raiders—you re- know—they had their moments, right? Where they were good, but they had their moments where they weren't, and you were stuck watching bad football. And that's what that—that's what the Viking game reminded me of as a young kid. Putting on a Raider game, and they just get their ass kicked, and you're stuck watching it, and you have other games that you see scrolling across the ticker that are just better games. Luckily, in the house that I'm in, uh, my roommate and I, we have a TV going, two computers, and phones. with, So we have literally, what, six games, five, six games going <laughs> on at one time.
1: Love it, love it. Um,
0: it's was, it was, it was great, but it just sucked. And then we ended up going to the sports book yeah. and catching the rest of the game there cause, because he's a gambler. I'm not. My, you know, my guy I grew up with, we have an apartment together. And he, he he's a guess So we go to the sports foot, not I put it like this. And they have one dollar beers. Yeah, I, I had about 12 of them by the time <laughs> I left there by the end of the late game, because there were just some stinkers. But watching that game, um, I was glad I was there to watch the other games. Now, Fast forward to last Sunday with the Colts game, it was a completely different Raiders team. And what I liked about this team, or what I liked about this game against the Colts, was Josh Jacobs got the ball. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, at this point, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's presumptive for me to say this, but Josh Jacobs is the best player in the Raiders offense. No doubt. Already, no doubt, no doubt. You've got to give the kid the ball. Feed him the ball. Yep. Like at this point, 20 to 25 on the ground and give him at least five in the air. Like get the guy the ball between 25 and 35 times a game in some capacity. Let him go to work. His vision is amazing. Like I love his ability to cut back, the way he sees the field as a running back, the way he runs with his pads behind him, with his pad level down. He may not be the guy that's gonna outrun everybody, but he's gonna break off a long run or two. He's good. he's just a really, really, really good running back. The Raiders are lucky to have him. And then you you know, and when you get Tyrell Williams going like you did last game, when you get you have Darren Waller who now teams are starting to ski for, that's that's helping everybody else around you. Now you have something going on. Now you're cooking with some with some With some grease as you like to say yeah buddy and and i like that i like the way there was more balance on the offense and i like the fact that defensively you you've seen the raiders come to play look i was very critical of eric harris uh the last few weeks and even in the preseason he had a hell of a game i'll give credit where credit i'm going to criticize you right We need to be criticized, but but I'm going to give credit where credit is due. He had one hell of a game.
1: Agreed. Agreed. I love
0: the way he played and how he finished the game. That's what the Raiders need more of the rest of the year from this defense. That type of effort.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the thing, man. It's, it's the, the effort wasn't there. I didn't think the effort was there against Minnesota and there's multiple reasons for that. You know, it's like, it could be, they don't understand what they're supposed to be doing. They weren't well prepared or they just didn't have the effort. You know, they weren't given it. That's what I felt like it was against Minnesota, but against Indianapolis. You're right, man. It was a whole different uh, ball game. It was a whole different outlook. The team was completely different. Uh, again, they, they went out there and did what they did. And stopping the run was huge. For the defense, stopping that run, stopping Marlon Mack, holding him to 35 yards, that was huge. After a week before, getting killed by Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook just absolutely went all the way Dalvin Cook on him. And he's the you know number one rusher in the league for a reason, but he looked like the number one rusher in the league against the, the Raiders. And then Dalvin Cook, or not Dalvin Cook, but uh, Marlon Mack is number three. Well, Marlon Mack didn't look like he was a number three rusher in the league against the Raiders. They really held their own and uh, really made him a non-factor in the game and basically did to him what the Vikings did to Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs only carried the rock 10 times against Minnesota. He only got, uh, he he got what, 17 carries against the Colts. Well, Marlon Mack only got 11 carries against the Raiders because they took him out of the game early. And so that was, that's, that was one of the, the biggest keys and, And you mentioned, uh, you know, feeding the the young guy, Josh Jacobs, the rock. I've been screaming that for weeks. I'm like, man, this dude can go. He doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his tires. Just feed him. He's a young dude who wants to go. Give him the rock, give him the ball in the passing game and and get it done. And so uh, they they were able to do that on on Sunday. And I hope they continue to do that moving forward. Right now he's the ninth leading rusher in the league and uh, he's highest, highest uh, rated rookie. In the first round, one of the first round draft picks, according to PFF. And look, PFF's not the end all be all. I don't live and die by that. But sometimes they have some stats I that agree. kind of stand out to me. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, that's kind of a cool little note, you know, but. Uh, that That's one of those notes that I, I just kind of found to be cool that, uh, you know, Jacobs' rate is so high. And uh, he's just going to have to continue to do his thing. And uh, I agree with you when you say that he's the best player on the Raiders' offense. He absolutely is. I mean, the way he goes is how that offense goes. And, and, and to furthermore, to to back that statement up, Trent Brown today said... Uh, they were asking uh, the Raiders' identity. What was the Raiders' identity? And he said, we've got to play smash-mouth football. We've got to run the ball, stay on track, ahead of the chains, try to play in third and short. Defensively, just keep everything in front of us and get takeaways. Control the clock. That is the absolute recipe, and that is exactly what you just described. That's who this Raiders team is. What I
0: like about this Raiders team is you're starting to see that become their identity. Threat yep. hit it on the head, yep. you know. And, and look at up front. Look, like I said, I've been very critical of of Colton Miller. I did not like the pick. I'm, I think the jury's still out, but he has played pretty well the first quarter of the season. And you get Incognito back. It's going to take a couple games for him to get going, but. And they really get to get the, the blood back flowing in you know in, in them. and you know it's been a couple games, so I'm looking for him to really turn around and have a another big game or a bigger game this week as a, in a, as much as the left guard can have um up front they're doing their job now one of the things that you kind of touched on is like after the week that they had, and that was again leading up to that Vikings game when you said it. There was a lot of outside talk about things that are going on. And, and let's be real. When it comes to outside distractions this NFL season, I'm just talking about this NFL season. The Raiders have had more than anybody. Right. You had to deal with Antonio Brown. You've had to deal with um, now Vontaze Burkitt. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. You have to deal with the move to Las Vegas and all that comes with that. Hard knocks. You have all these things, hard knocks. Yes. Like you have all these things that are a distraction. And these guys, as much as they don't want to admit it and they try not to, it does wear on you. You get locked in and you have a job to do. But when you go home, you have family, you have friends. Look, you and I both know guys in the league, family members in the league, whatever, that played. i talked to my brother about what's going on. I, he's in Canada. He, he's, he's coaching in, in Toronto, had a situation earlier in the year. When I, we talked a couple weeks ago. I was like, so what ended up happening with this? And we talked about it in the middle of the situation. Right. I know what I knew. What, and he's a coach. He's like, man, it's just a damn distraction. So dealing with these distractions, the Reds have done a pretty good job to be two and two. And let's be real, if they have, if they beat Chicago, right? There's a, they're three and two. Then they get their Then they go. You know, then they have Green Bay, but they're three and two with the bots. They have a legitimate chance to be a playoff team, despite the the distractions. And, and the people ripping carbs because he's not what they want. Look, let's say this. Can you tell me if I'm wrong? How, how many people do you know that, or have you seen in the NFL that play the game like Patrick Mahomes?
1: Pa, oh, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> okay, okay. The, the, how,
0: the, how, I, many, how many quarterbacks in the game do you know play the game like Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Okay, what about Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> okay. Now, but now, but then let's 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 drop down a tier, right? How many quarterbacks do you see like Cam Newton?
1: Wow, that's a that's a that's a good question because Cam Newton is two different guys, and and you know it's it's funny because people are going to say Derek Carr's two different guys too. Cam Newton is MVP Cam, and then he's 2019 Cam or 2018 Cam or 2017 Cam, where it hasn't been so hot. Really, since the MVP season, Cam hasn't been very good at all. So oh uh, man that's a that's a good question there's I, I feel like cam is more average now than anything
0: i i don't even i he's not even average he's a big running back that can throw the ball a little bit
1: that's fair that's um, fair that's just what he is that's fair okay yeah.
0: that's what he's always been other than that mvp here he's never had a year to make you go damn he's a stud michael vick you had you seen him throw the ball and you're like damn that dude could throw if he can get accurate oh lord he's a problem because he's already a problem running the ball. Right. But you have Cam Newton. You have other quarterbacks that have that same skill set. May not be 6'5, 250, 260, but they have that same, that same skill set. Right. Carr is in that group where, and I agree with you. There's two Derek Carrs. There's a Derek Carr that when he's comfortable in the pocket, he's able to do things that are in the upper, upper. Seven of the upper ten of the NFL quarterbacks, and that, t- that group of ten, where you're like, yeah, he's elite. But if Derek Carr is, then you have Derek Carr that's been broken leg, broken back, when the pocket's collapsing, and it's all game. He is, oh damn, here we go again, and forced to do certain things.
1: Right, right.
0: Guess what? He he's not in that upper ten. He may be in that middle to back end right. of, of tiers of quarterbacks. But my point is, there's not a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL right now that can do what they do. Look at you can have Kyler Murray. Guess what? Kyler Murray's o three and one, folks.
1: Right, right.
0: You want to be o three and one with a five seven five eight quarterback? Not saying he's not talented, but you're two and two with Derek Carr.
1: Right. Yep.
0: Yep. Like, let's use some perspective, and let's not throw everything in the hyperbole, and we lose, so we suck. No. It's called the NFL. you got two, two groups of people playing against each other that are professionals that do this for a living, that spend all week knowing when the other one eats, sleeps, drinks, farts, has sex, does whatever. That's the, that's the reality of the NFL. That's the reality of professional sports. It's not that somebody sucks or somebody doesn't suck. But look at the guys around him. Derek Carr can, can throw a ball, but is he one catching it or fumbling it? Sometimes when he, when he fumbles it but he's not the one dropping balls.
1: Right, right, right. You know,
0: and, and you know, and in conversing receivers, there's certain balls that are bad throws. Yeah. But like, it's not always Pylon on Derek. It shouldn't always be Pylon Derek to me. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not saying he's the second coming, but look, it took Rick scanning a couple years to get acclimated to Gruden system. This is year two. He's, he's literally 20 games into Gruden system. I think he deserves a little more time before people start calling for the guy's job. Because if not, you got Mike Glennon, <laughs> not Glenn Glennon, starting coming at quarterback, and you definitely don't want that.
1: No, 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 you don't. And, and you know the thing about Derek Carr, man he he could be so talented at times, and when he throws, and when he has opportunity to throw like the deep ball, it's so effortless. I mean, he just kind of flicks it out there. You know what I mean? Like if you see him throw the deep ball it's not like it's a problem for him. I mean, he's very accurate deep. I, I like it. He just doesn't get an opportunity to do it very often. You know, he, he really doesn't uh, just because, you know, the, the protection is not always there and uh, other circumstances are, are, are there sometimes where the guy's not getting open. The, the receivers aren't getting open. And instead of trying to, chuck it down the field and see if he can make a play he'll he'll get he'll pick up some kind of yards because that's what his head coach is telling him to do and look I'm not trying to make excuses for Derek Carr he has his warts as well but uh it's not always his fault like you said I think it's it's a it's a product of the whole team it's a product of the coaching staff I mean there's a product of everything uh that it's 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 a lot of fingers you could point that go around when when the Raiders aren't being successful but uh it's easy it's an easy Kind of a lazy narrative, just to say, oh, it's Derek Carr's fault. It's, you know, got, got to get him out of here. Uh, once you go get him, go get uh, Tua, or go get you know uh, Jalen Hurst or go get uh, you know somebody else. Insert any quarterback out of the college, and he's going to be the the answer. And I like Tua. This is coming from a guy who likes Tua, and I like Jalen Hurts, but uh, I don't think that they're going to be the end all be all. Not 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 their first league in, year in the league, at least.
0: Well, uh, here, here uh, and that's not Raiders' subject, but we can talk about that for me. I'm glad you brought those two up. Jalen Hurst, until he went to Oklahoma, would have been drafted as a running back by an NFL team. You're right. You're right. You know, and you have to question a little bit how much is scheme in the system he's playing in and talent. Because I remember when he first, the first game he played in against USC, he came in for Blake Barnett in the second half. And literally, I was with TQ and we were at a a watch party with other other USC fans and, and people with the program. And he goes, yo, they got this quarterback that can run like Vic. He's not as fast as Vic, but he's powerful. If they put him in, man, he's in trouble. He's a freshman. It seems like forever. But I question I questioned him as a, as a passer. So I want to see more than a small sample. size yeah, He's seen at Oklahoma. I agree. He was not a good passer at Alabama. With Tua, Tua's just a damn gamer. And I remember watching him play at, at Pylon out here in Vegas at 7-on-7. Seven seven. Um, it's a huge seven on seven event for those of you that don't know. It, it's the largest in the country. a lot of uh, that's where a lot of these evaluators from twenty four seven sports and uh, rivals, uh, franchise sports media, a lot of other that that do evaluations on players where they get their stars come and see kids and they get interviews and so they kind of get on, they get put on the map. Two will lit it up. In fact, I believe his team won it. They beat a Bishop Gorman squad that had Brevin Jordan, who's the number one tight end in, in college football, he's only a sophomore, um, Tate Martell, Bubba Bolden, Tyjohn Lindsley, uh, Farrell Hester, um, I mean, uh, Buki, Ridley, uh, Buki up there at Oklahoma, he was on that team, um, a bunch of guys. So, But Tua, to me, what I question about Tua, and it, and it may be just me, I don't see the ball really getting like it. it almost like it floats. It's too effortless off of his hand.
1: Yeah, it is. I don't
0: see it like with with Vic. You've seen that like velocity behind you. You could see it. Right. With Tua, it's not like that. And that's what I question. I don't question the toughness. I don't question the mobility, the leadership, the accuracy, the intelligence. He checks off all those boxes. What the box to me that is incomplete. It's his arm strength to be able to – those balls that he has to drive, those those digs, those deep outs, those, those fade routes to post, um, those balls that you really have to put in a dime. I question that.
1: Right. That's fair. No there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Those are fair, and those are those are questions that he still has to answer because I, I do see him kind of floating them out there as well. Uh, we also know that I like Alabama guys, so <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> deny that, you know. But uh, so far, I've been spot on with Josh Jacobs, though, so uh, I, I could take that and put that as a feather in my cap. So it's all good.
0: Absolutely. So let's get to the what is kind of like the topic of Raider Nation. Right now, and I think you know, and you know, at, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Um, during the Colt game, uh, Raider inside linebacker Montez Burfek was flagged for um, a targeting call that got him ejected. Uh, Montez, uh, launched like there's no way to describe it, but then he launched himself and lowered his head, hit the guy, hit the tight end with the crown of his helmet. Um, and look, as somebody that has known Vontez Burfick since he played at Corona Centennial High School in Corona, California as somebody who has watched his career from Arizona State through the Bengals and now with the Raiders. This is not a case of the NFL going after a Raider player and excessively punishing him screw the Raiders over what this is is a case of Vontez Berfic history Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's the history just against the Steelers or any other team it's his history that came up and bit him in the ass the analogy I used with somebody we were talking on Twitter we're debating on Twitter and he was like well you can't use someone's past to determine their future I said, no, but if someone got a DUI or multiple DUIs in another state yep. and then he's good and he moves to another state and gets another DUI, you don't think the, that those penalties are going to give him a harsher punishment because it was in another state? No, it follows you. Yeah, it does. You, he knew what he was doing. Now, do I think he did – do I think it was – I mean, it was intentional. I don't know if the 12 games plus the postseason suspension is going to be, um, I think looking at it now, it may be a little excessive. And I think it's, I think it's going to be reduced, but if it's not, I don't have a complaint with it because the NFL sent a message to players and players that have a reputation of being dirty and cheap play, cheap shot artists that they're not going to put up with it anymore and you have to adjust the game to the new nfl the nfl is not going to adjust the game to you
1: agreed agreed 100 percent. and you know the thing about it man is you know the, the your rap sheet does follow you no matter what you do no matter where you are uh i mean there's a reason why guys get you know get scholarship offers pulled after you know they, they they're you know the school sees what they're putting out on twitter i mean everything you do follows you you know what i mean like you, you are who you are your name is what you have and Vontez Burfitt, when you think of him, you think of dirty hits, you think of cheap shots, you think of suspensions, you think of, uh, you know, 15-yard penalties. I mean, look, we talked about this in great length before the Raiders signed him, after the Raiders signed him, leading up to the season, like, hey, this is who this guy is. At some point, expect him to miss some time. I went through his whole career, and I believe he's played all 16 games in a season once. His whole career, one time, he's only played all 16 games. And that was his rookie year. He ain't done it since then. And a lot of that's been due to injury or suspension or both. And that's just who the guy is. And I say it all the time. People roll their eyes every time I say it, but tigers don't change their stripes. You know, it's, it's the same thing we said about Antonio Brown. I mean, he is who he is. And well, we saw what happened when he went all the way Antonio Brown on the Raiders. Well, this is a different case is Vontez Burfitt going all the way Vontez Burfitt, And that's how he plays. I mean, he just plays that way. You can't, Tell him stop playing like that because it's going to get you in trouble because he doesn't know no better i mean that's just what he does and i'm not saying that he doesn't know any better like he can't learn he just when he gets between the lines and everything starts flying around he's just going to revert back to who he is i mean that's just who he is he can't help himself so i mean now he's he's out he's out you know and and again 12 games is is excessive it is the hit wasn't even the worst hit that I saw over the weekend. On Sunday, there was more hits that were way worse than that one that did a lot more damage to guys than that one. But the guys that delivered those blows did not have the rap sheet that Vontez Burford had. So it's it's all about him. It's not about the jersey. It's not about the helmet. It's about the guy inside the helmet.
0: There's been 14 times in his career he's been hit by the NFL with fines, suspensions, whatever, and to the tune of $5.3 million dollars. Wow, And he missed six games last year, the, P, the PED suspension. But he's missed, I know he's had two other suspensions for hits on players. Yep. He may be a great teammate. He may be a great teammate. And I, I've never heard anything different about him. Teammates love him. Yep. You love him on your team, and you hate him on another team. But I'll ask, I'll ask this to you, Q, and I'll ask you this, Raider Nation. I want you guys to tweet at us. Um, with your answers. Let's say that was Darren Waller coming across the middle. And that was whoever the middle linebacker is for the Chiefs. And he did that. Would you be so quick to defend him and say that it's excessive and it's just football? Because, Q, the hit that was the worst hit on Sunday to me was Marcus Peters getting re- just leveled yep. by the Buccaneers offensive line. Yep. That was... That made me come out my chair, in a way that like I was like, "Ooh, like that's nice," but at the same time, like, "Damn, right, like, you got knocked the up out." Yep, like that—that's what I—that was my reaction. Um, but it is because of that. Now I don't want to hear, you know, it, it's the NFL coming after the Raiders. That's not it. And you're going to hear people. I know tonight, as we record this. Uh, Nick Hamilton and Scott Winner are recording their show, um, Silver and Black Turf. And this is, is going to be one of their main topics. And I know where Scott stands, just based off of his tweets, and Scott believes that it's because he's on the Raiders that he got hit with 12 games. I completely disagree with that. It, and it wasn't a football hit. You, they teach you, and they've been teaching you the last eight years, at least eight years, to not leave your feet and drop your head. Like, that is the exact hit that put Ryan Sejier in the hospital not being able to move his legs. Right. That's what the NFL is trying to get rid of. They're not trying to get rid of big hits, but they're trying to get rid of those types of big hits. Yep. And, and you can't do that.
1: No, no, you can't. And I, I'm... I'm 100% with you. Uh again, I don't believe it's it's a uh, it's anything against the Raiders and I've had a lot of people tell me that oh, please if he was on the on the Patriots, he would have only got four games or six games. I don't believe that. And again, if that's the case yeah. then fine, so be it, but I don't believe that. I believe it's it's him. It's just the guy and they're trying to, to set an example. Now, do I think that 12 games is excessive? Yes, I do. But again, when you have like you said 13 or 14 different things on your rap sheet, I mean, you're going to that's what you're going to get, man. And, and I, had, I actually had a list of everything that he's been suspended for or fined for since, uh, since 2013. And I don't know where the hell I did with it. I'm so mad that I can't find it. But man, oh, man. Oh, I would
0: love to have heard him, too.
1: Yeah, no, it's crazy, man. Look, I mean, okay. it's just, so, so much stuff.
0: So, so if, you can't, if you can't pull it up, I got a Vontae's birthday story that fits this. And this goes back to his days at ASU. So I'm at the game at ASU where they play Stanford and Andrew Luck as the quarterback. And I have a couple people I know on ASU, and a friend of mine's nephew was one of the starting offensive linemen on that team. I knew a couple guys on Stanford. So we went down there just just to go watch the game. And my friend, who I coached high school football with at the time, um, his nephew would send him the practice film. And he would say, dude, Vontaze don't know what he's doing. Like, it's just all instinct. Look at this guy on the field. It's crazy. So fast forward to this game, and we're on the sidelines. And we're by the tunnel where the players, both teams, are, they go into at halftime. And as we're there, Burfecht is walking, or Andrew Luck is walking, and Burfick runs up on him. And just out the blue, just punches him square in his face. Wow. And keeps running. Like, I, I was like, what the hell? Right. That, that's, that's ingrained in my mind with him. Not to mention things I've heard that I would never repeat publicly from people that have played and went to high school with him or whatnot. But this is a guy that is notorious for that. I, I agree. 12 games, it may be excessive. And I knowing the NFLPA the way that I do and I know the way you do, Q, they're going to fight for him, and, this, and they're going to meet on Tuesday uh, in one a week from when we record this. Or no, six days from when we record it, excuse me. They're going to meet with, with John Runyon, and the Raiders and, and Ber- perfect people actually wanted him to move it back a couple of days because of um, some scheduling, but they wanted the Raiders to be there. But I don't, I'm not sure how that's going to work, but – Regardless. Um I think it's gonna be reduced. I think he'll be able if they make the postseason, he'll be able to play in that. I think they're probably gonna reduce it maybe to eight games between six and eight games.
1: Right. That's what I'm thinking. Um,
0: but there's no way that I mean, if they keep it at twelve, this is a big message to everybody out there and it definitely changes the course of the way the NFL is viewed by the players playing in the games and the type of hits they're able to do. Yeah. With their history. Yeah. I mean, no doubt
1: about that. I mean, this is the largest on field, you know, infraction and suspension in NFL history. I mean, the, the, the number one uh, infraction before was uh, was Albert Haynesworth when he stepped on uh, Andre yeah. uh, uh face and had to get, he had to get 30 stitches and he got five games for that. So this is, I mean, this is massive. This is way more. But again, like I said, the history is so there with Vontez Burford. Look, 2013, striking a player in the groin, $10,000 fine. 2013 spearing $21,000 fine. 2013 hit on a defensive player $21,000 fine 2014 ankle twisting $25,000 fine 2015 three separate unsportsmanlike incidences $69,454 fine 2016 hit on a defensive player $50,000 fine 2016 multiple violations of player safety rules suspended three games 2016 leg stomp $75,000 fine 2016 flip middle finger to the crowd $12,154 fine 2017, unsportsmanlike conduct, $12,154 fine. 2017, hit on a defensive player, suspended three games. 2018, violation of NFL's PED policy, suspended four games. 2018, unnecessary roughness, $112,000 fine. 2018, lowering helmet during tackle, $53,482 fine. 2019, violations of unnecessary roughness, suspended 12 games. Whew, someone passed me a drink. That's a lot of stuff.
0: <laughs> Definitely yeah I think I think a lot of people need to drink after hearing that and even really seeing that as well. Look, the bottom line, folks, from, from where I stand, it's real. It's real cut and dry. Um, if they keep the twelve games, they keep the twelve games, and it is what it is. You know, he's he's earned that. You just heard the rap sheet. He's earned that. If they lower it, I'm all for that too because you know what? I think Albert Hainsworth, uh what he did was more egregious than what Vonchez Perfect did. You stomping on somebody. Now we've seen. Humphreys choke out OBJ in a game or, or attempt to, that's not anywhere near. You can't equate what he did to what Perfect did, especially a guy that's in his second or third year versus a guy that's been in the league since 2013 yep. and a guy that, that since that time has a laundry list of infractions. So it is what it is. You know what? It's when you knew what you were getting. i joked and You said it before when we would talk about it, on the draft show and all that. I was like, I want the unholy union of Sue and Berger because you need those types of guys on your team. What do you think I was talking about, guys that like to fight? No, you need guys that are going to do some dirty things. And, and I don't want to hear this. Q, did you see that in the Vikings game?
1: Yeah, yeah, was yeah. He
0: punching, was he punching at a ball or was he trying to punch an opponent?
1: No, nah, he was trying to punch an opponent, no doubt about it no doubt about it okay i don't see i didn't see no 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 swinging at the ball i didn't see no ball near him
0: do you know that the nfl on monday the monday after that game had a conversation with him and the raiders basically letting him know that you can't do that again no more dirty stuff from you we're tired of it the The act is old and tired we're done and then six days later he goes and launches himself at somebody <laughs> right exactly that that's no regard for, and I, and I think that's very disrespectful to the game of football.
1: Oh, Just I agree. Me. I agree. Not what you want. Yeah, no. I mean, because you're you're messing it up for everybody else. Because again, I and one th- argument that I've heard, of people who told me, oh, Q, it's a bang bang play. He was already in the air, so he can't adjust himself. I get it, man. Football is bang bang, and it's easier to see things when it's slowed down to to instant replay. I totally get that. But there's still things you can do to protect yourself and the players that are around you because this game is a very dangerous game. You're one play away, and that's everyone on the field. And so you would hate for someone to lose their career or worse, like a Ryan Shazier, over something stupid like that. And so it is very disrespectful to the game, and it's disrespectful to the players around you.
0: Absolutely. Well, what we're going to do right now is put a bow on this first segment, get into the second segment. We're going to take your emails. We're going to preview the Bear game in London, but we're going to come back and talk to you about What's going on at the Oakland Coliseum, that's what I'm still calling it, what the city of Oakland is doing, and we're attempting to do, and how how it affects, really, the A's more than anybody, and why I think it's ridiculous for anybody to blame Mark Davis for wanting to leave the city of Oakland. This is Q&A, powered by SB Nation on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo. On SB Nation Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, brought to you by SB Nation. And Q, the Mercury News put out a, an article on on Tuesday, and my tweet was something to the effect like, "I'm shocked. This no way this is happening. Utter disbelief. Not the city of Oakland and their mayor. They would never do something like this." <laughs> and what it basically is doing is the city is suing the county because the county wants to sell their 50% share of the coliseum or the grounds of the coliseum to the Oakland A's so the Oakland A's can build their own their own stadium there. But the city of Oakland is saying no 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 you got to sell to us first so they can negotiate with us to get the stadium. That's essentially what's happening.
1: Right, right.
0: Why on God's green earth and i and i'm asking this not facetiously not rhetorically i'm asking this because i honestly am bewildered by this how could anybody begrudge mark davis for leaving when you have that shit show of a local municipality and government going on up there they're the only team that's going to be in oakland and by the end of the year because let's be real the warriors they're across the bay next year yep season starts in 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 a, in a, but in the month they're across the bay in san francisco the raiders they're coming home to vegas their new home the only professional team in oakland is the eighth. why would you want to ostracize them and do them dirty like that i just don't get it
1: it is really strange man it, it really is and i never really know what's going on as far as like what one side is trying to tell mm-hmm. the other and it just seems like they're never on the same page you know what i mean and that's that's where the biggest issue comes in it's like what does one office tell the other office that's telling another office that's telling the team or you know what i mean it's just it seems like they're never ever on the same page and I don't dive deep into the political stuff that goes on there. I just feel like nobody knows. It's like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing and that's where the problem lies for me. It's like you've got to be on the same page. Everyone's gotta have the same goal. Everyone's gotta to wanna to create and generate revenue for the city, for the bay. I mean, all of that stuff. I mean that's that's what it's all about is generating revenue. And when you don't have any of your teams, guess what you're not doing? You're not generating any revenue. I mean, you really, really aren't. And if it wasn't for, you know, Mark Davis uh, basically saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and give you basically a mulligan. I mean, he he didn't have to technically play in Oakland this year. You know, he decided to go ahead and play in the city that is suing him. You know what I mean? And he's paying for the lawsuit, and he actually, in my opinion, did that for the fans and, and no other reason. For the fans and probably because John Gruden wanted them to do it and play in Oakland as well one more season. But he really didn't have to do that. I mean, he could have chalked it up and gone anywhere and played and just said, hey, I'd rather pay these guys than pay you guys. And and you really couldn't blame someone for doing that. And so uh, it, it just, it, to me, it always feels like something in Oakland and something going on in the mayor's office with the city, with the county, it's always just all over the place and never really on the same page. And I always felt like that was the biggest issue going forward. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs, but I always felt like that was the biggest problem.
0: I, I also know the ins and outs of, of their local government. I don't, and I'm kind of glad I don't. Um, and I'm not going to act like I do and act like I'm an expert on it. Right. But Jerry McDonald for the Mer- Mercury News, Jer- Jer- Jerry does has done a great job covering sports in the Bay Area for a number of years. Years, yeah. Um, he's respected by everybody in our industry, um, and he's pretty fair. And he takes shots when he needs to take shots at the Raiders. And but this is one where. He was like, Gene, I wonder why Mark, I wonder, he goes, I, I, so it was something to the effect, right? I bet Mark Davis and the Raiders upper management are glad they're getting the hell out of Oakland after seeing this. And it was something to that effect. And for him to say that, to me, spoke volumes. Because through the whole relocation process, right, I was told, I don't know what I'm talking about. I reached out to that city on multiple occasions. And they wouldn't comment or give me anything. Or someone from the city gave me some information about something. I reported it, and they wanted me to retract it. I, no. I told you I was – I you said it was cool to run with this. I told you I was going to. And then you have people who are fans talking about how that supposedly knows people in the municipality that, it, oh, this is what's going on there. I'll share this. I'm not going to say – the individuals' names because um, it's, it, it wouldn't be right. So at the end of the during the NFL's um, owners meetings, they always the first night there's always a, a big mixer, and it's everybody from you know media to coaches, owners, general managers, agents. They're all at this mixer, and it was when the Raiders relocated um, when they got when they the, the vote. Actually happened, and they got approved to relocate to Vegas. And I went to say, you know, to the Raiders table and congratulate everybody at, at one of their tables. And uh, one of the coaches at the time uh, knew me from past relationships and congratulated him. And uh, one of somebody within the organization asked, you know, his wife how she felt about everything. She goes, "Oh, I wish we could move tomorrow." <laughs> I've talked to I've talked to all the coaches' wives. And they're ready to go. We can't wait to get to Vegas. That's the feeling. It will ever will that ever be public? No, I'm never going to release the name of the coaches in the, or who asked the question or whatnot. But at the end of the day, what do you expect? I mean, the cost of living is through the roof. Yeah. You got. You have a, a city that's not. That, I don't care what. Certain people told you, people that you, you Raider Nation. I don't care what certain people told Raider Nation during the relocation process. Honestly, Q, and I talked to you about this privately, as well as um, when uh, you had me on um, ESPN Central Texas. Like, the city government was not willing to work with the Raiders or even meet them halfway. Like, Mark Davis didn't need to go to a meeting, a, a city hall meeting. Why? He can deal with them, and or Mark Verdant could deal with them privately. But every time they met, or when they met, there was always some type of the the glass ceiling got moved. Right when they thought they were trying to get a level playing field, uh, the the ceiling moved up. They moved the ceiling. The rules of the game kept being changed, right? To the point where the Raiders did what they had to do that was was better than. Look, I feel bad for the A's right now. I mean, and really the city of Oakland, because the city of Oakland's cool. I love the Bay Area. Make no mistake about it. But you're going to have a sport from March till maybe October every year, and then you'll have nothing else going on at that stadium other than concerts and Monster jams and and truck rallies and the monster truck rallies and right, things like right. that. And that's I if, mean, and that's
1: that's if the A's actually end up staying there too, because you never know.
0: Hey, the city of Henderson in Las Vegas had been talking to the Diamondbacks. I know about potentially moving <laughs> to Las Vegas. I already know the owner. The owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, um, they're not moving out of Milwaukee because they just got their new their new uh, arena there, but he just bought the land for the Rio, the hotel in Las Vegas, yep. just off the strip towards the north in, or north, northwest side of the Strip. Um, the Rio has not renewed its gaming license. The rumor is that could be a spot for a new stadium, a baseball stadium, a huge plot of land. Hmm. Um, there's also down right past South Point when you first come up to the Strip, there's an area of land there that has been bantered about locally as a potential landing spot to put a Major League Baseball stadium mm-hmm i'm not saying it's the a's but it hypothetically how pissed off would oakland be if the a's bounced to come to las vegas man <laughs> with, with the redders already being here
1: right man I'll, I'll tell you that would be that would be wild there's a triple a team there already
0: right it's the a's affiliate the las vegas aviators that's what i thought that's exactly what i thought so imagine your triple a team being seven or eight miles down the road from you That'd be convenient. <laughs> right. That's hella convenient. Yep. Oh, speaking of which, did you see Nick Aker's report today that the Raiders purchased 17 acres of land around the stadium specifically for parking?
1: Yeah, for more tailgating. Yeah, I saw that. They they uh, they're, they're going to be well over the the amount of, of spots, of parking spots that they need to have now with all the all the lands that they have built or not built up, but they bought up for uh, for that exact reason.
0: Well, that, that's why it was never parking was never an issue. People, I, I think there's there's so much of a hyperbole, and people want to know what's going on right now, right this second, mm-hmm. what's happening. And sometimes you can't do that. You got to just slow play it and say, Nah, this is what's going on. And I know the Raiders with people that they talk to when they're trying to buy land or 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 the buildings or whatever, they don't want it known publicly because now. Um, everybody seems to think, oh, well, they got all this money. I'm not saying the Ritters are poor right? because they're not. They got a $250 million check deposited in their account when the League New Year started. So they're not poor by any means. Um, but at the same time, you also have to look at – I don't want everybody to know who's buying the land. I mean, it's, oh, we got a buyer. This is what he's offering. It's just really, you know, you keep it disclosed. And then once you're signing the papers, you agree to it. Then they find out who it is. right? So, I mean, at the end of the day, 17 acres, tailgating, that's phenomenal. Um, and, and good for, for Mark Davis and the, and the Raiders to be able to do that right by the stadium. I, I think that the property value for those businesses in that area is going to go through the roof. And I could have been for those people as well.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, again, and Mark Davidson and company on the business side of things are really getting things done in Vegas. I really can appreciate the efforts that they have. So when they do open up that stadium in 2020 – Everything is top notch. The stadium's top notch. The parking around is top notch. The tailgating scene is top notch. They're ready to to open up that that stadium with a bang, and that's the way they should. And they got a lot of partners, business partners, sponsorships on the stadium already, and they're going to continue to get more. So uh, I got to give Mark Davis a lot of credit for getting the business side of things taken care of because he's always said I'm not a football guy, but I can handle the business side, and that's exactly what he's been doing.
0: Absolutely, and, and the other thing that. Uh, 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 Hope Raider fans know is Fred Rogan came out with a report last week, last Monday and it was the issues going on between the Chargers and the Rams and the NFL
1: mm-hmm.
0: which, which basically, I'm just going to give you guys a quick summary because Fred's my mentor in this business um, when the Rams agreed to be the number one team in L.A. Because they had, they assumed all responsibility to build the stadium. The number two team, which which NFL wanted to be an expansion team, that was the plan. They wanted to expand to L.A. and either Toronto, or I be the other was uh, Toronto or Mexico City, if I remember correct. Um, they also um, realized the Raiders and Chargers needed stadiums. Well, the Raiders obviously, so they partnered up for Carson, obviously wasn't going to happen. Dean Spanos got screwed by a lot of owners, in particular, the most uh, Jerry Richardson, former owner of the Panthers, because it went from being a vote where everybody sees who the vote is to a secret vote, and then nobody voted for Carson. Right. So Mark Davis went and got Vegas. But so Dean Spanos, realizing that he couldn't have, California is not going to subsidize a stadium out of their own pocket. It's not going to force fans. But he came up about $175 million short. And he didn't want to take a loan out because he's got money, but you don't have that type of money. So NFL could have helped him if he would have waited a little bit, but he didn't do that. Jumped the gun, signed the papers to be the number two team to move in that stadium. When doing that, they kind of agreed that, okay, if you sell your PSLs, you can contribute that money. To the building of the stadium, and they estimated it, and it just was an estimation of five hundred million dollars. Well, at the time, the stadium was supposed to cost one point nine million. With delays and overlays and all kinds of, and, and everything else happening down there, it's up to five billion dollars. So, Stan Kroenke's pissed off about it, and he's mad because he's you know paying for all this, and Dean Spanos is not paying anything, and it's not his fault. It's it's not his fault. This is what the NFL laid out in the paper. So it's not Dean Spanos' fault. So to make it even worse, they realized that the Rams have a head start in building their brand because they already were in L.A. So they're selling PSLs at a specific amount. Well, the Chargers aren't making that much money, so they lowered the sale, lowered the price of the PSLs, and now it's not going to bring that $500 million. Right what Kroenke's even more pissed off about. And he's raising hell with the league. The league, Roger Goodell in particular, wanted two teams in L.A., wanted to make it a media capital of the world. He wanted to make it the Taj Mahal of the NFL. Wanted somebody that could afford it, had resources to build it themselves. Stan Kroenke checked off all the boxes. And you figure expansion teams, just to get in, just to get in the NFL was going to be $3 billion a piece. Right. So NFL teams were going to make $6 billion to split across, you know, the 32 teams. Well, when Kroenke decided to go, or when Spanos decided to go to LA, that blew up the expansion talk. And hence where they're at there. i say that to you, because guess who don't have any of those problems <laughs> and is being built on time and ahead of schedule with no, no issues with their tenant, UNLV, and that's the Raiders. So give them credit for the way they're doing business because they're doing it the right way.
1: I agree. I agree, 100 percent, man. I've said it multiple times that I think Mark Davis has done the right thing. A lot of people want to discredit him and basically say that oh, he went to Vegas begging for money, and he went and got in uh, in bed with uh, uh, Sh- uh, Sandy Alderson or uh, whatever his name is. Uh, what was Sheldon, it? yeah, Sheldon Anderson. Yeah, Sandy was a, a baseball manager. Anyway, uh, anyway, yeah. So. Uh, basically got in bed with him, then he rejected them, then he went begging the Bank of America and made it sound like, like Mark Davis just didn't have any kind of clue what he was doing. But look, this dude's always been a salesman. He's been a salesman his whole life. I mean, hell, he was an agent. He, he negotiated a contract against his own father, uh, Al Davis, for Marcus Allen. I mean, the dude knows he knows business. I mean, he absolutely does. Uh, people say that he's not Jerry Jones. He don't have Jerry Jones' money. Well, not many people have Jerry Jones' money. But, uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And yes, Jerry Jones had something to do with the Raiders ending up in Vegas, but Jerry Jones has something to do with everything and in the NFL. I mean, he's got his hands on everything in the NFL. He's just that dude. I mean, he just is. And so, uh, yeah, I, I try to give as much credit to Mark Davis as possible for the things he's done. And, um, you know, we'll see how everything shakes out. And, uh, obviously a lot of fans are frustrated by the play on the field and that the Raiders aren't farther along and, you know, all this other stuff. And John Gruden has a long contract. He's paid too much money and he duped Mark Davis. I mean, I've heard every single thing that you could possibly hear. And uh, I just try to sit back and watch how everything shakes out and see how John Gruden does ultimately in the long run and see how, you know, where this team goes and uh, excited about that stadium that they're going to have in Vegas. Cause I think it's something that they deserved and that they're going to have and something that they needed for a long time. So they're finally going to get it. So you got to give, you got to give a tip of the cap to Mark Davis for being able to make that happen.
0: Absolutely. Three things. And we'll put a bow on this part of it. One, he didn't go begging to Bank of America. He had four different banks that were coming to him offering to may have a loan. He took the best, the best deal for the Raiders. Two, guess what, folks? Jerry Jones borrowed money to build Jerry's world. You don't, you don't think those guys take their loans out? <laughs> Sorry, that's the way business works. And three, he also negotiated his best friend uh, contract with his father, and that was Cliff Branch. As well as Mark. That's as well. right. You're right. Think about that. So, um, you know, so kudos to Mark and Mark Bedane, Danny Ventrelli, and and everybody else that that's a part of of you know, that was a part of this of this this I guess new movement and new era of Raider football. Um, speaking of, of of movement, the Raiders have been moving around a lot, um, not just back and forth to Vegas and everything else. But also, this is the final year, folks, that they're going to be traveling the world. They played the a game in Canada, preseason game, which was not a good look, to say the least, for the NFL and, and everybody involved. Um, obviously, they played the in Mexico City. And now, once again, they're flying to London for the final time to play a home game in London. And it is because the NFL mandates that if you're relocating, you have to play games outside of your, outside of your home city. At least one game a year. Well, the Q, you brought up something interesting in our conversations and our texts leading up to the show. Um, the Raiders have been in London since Sunday, correct?
1: Yep, they flew out to London as soon as the Colts game was over. They did their little media session, and John Gruden said, "Uh, oh, we got a 15-hour flight to catch, so uh, we got to go."
0: Well, okay, so that's in Indy, which is probably a, an hour flight or so from Chicago and the bears are still in chicago are you kidding me
1: yeah buddy yeah man that's that's something right there man that's that was that was something that really really stood out to me i heard that on on some espn show and then i talked to a couple people that covered the bears and i was like is this real and they said yeah they're not flying out till till thursday and probably going to take a red eye there and they'll get there friday morning or something that's That's a couple days before the game, man. And I I just think that that is a huge mistake. And the reason I think that is because, well, the Raiders made that mistake a year ago. They made that mistake a year ago when they, they played the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle got there real early, let their bodies get used to the time change, got their body clocks right. You know, just got their minds right and was able to just look at it like, okay, it's just another game. It's just another day at the at the stadium because they were already used to the area and everything that's going on around them. And the Raiders got in super late, and you know didn't have any idea what they were in for. And it looked like they were out there sleepwalking. It looked like that they just had no idea. And look, they played a good Seattle team. Don't get me wrong, but they looked like they had no chance—not a, a single chance—to get anything done out there. It Just didn't didn't look like they even came out the locker room. And I think that that's going to be a major factor in this game on Sunday against the bears and a game that I really didn't believe at the beginning of the season or, or when the schedule came out that the Raiders had any chance of winning. I didn't believe that because one, they're not very good in London. They've never won a game in London. Usually they get blown out and it's pretty ugly. And two, uh, I just, I just thought that the bears are are that much better a team, especially their defense and are going to be able to just carry them to a victory. But I'll tell you, man, this is a game changer with the bears, not getting there till Thursday night or Friday morning. That changes the game for me. And I don't think that you, your, your, your body clock, Gets correct that quick. I feel like you have jet lag. I feel like you, you got that hungover feeling without even being hungover, you know, without ever drinking. So I think this is going to be a game changer and it might give the, enough edge to the Raiders to be able to pull off a W on Sunday.
0: Well, not to mention Mitch Trubisky. Uh, oh, my bad, Trubisky. Um, he dislocated his shoulder and you got the backup quarterback in there.
1: Chase Daniel, who, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, Chase Daniels doesn't say. Set the world on fire. He's not a guy that's going to take to take a chance to throw the ball too deep. He's a guy that likes to throw the short to intermediate route. Yeah. Um, I I actually, when we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I, I like the Raiders against them. Um, I watching the Bears. Their offense is not exciting. I don't get the Matt Nagy. He's an offensive genius. No, he moves a lot of guys around a lot. He tries to disguise things, but. He's not a guy that I view as an offensive genius. You know, I, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I, I wasn't a, I'm not a Trubisky guy. Uh, I'm a less of a Chase Daniels guy. Now, they, I like their running game. I like Robinson, the receiver. I like Taylor Gabriel, their receiver. They have some weapons there. The tight end they got from Philly. Another guy I, I like. Okay, they have some pieces. But I think you can match up pound for pound. Raiders, to the Raiders defense to their, to their offense and it's kind of a wash, to be honest with you. Now, people are going to bring up uh, Khalil Mack. This is his first time playing against the Raiders and being traded to Chicago for a bunch of picks and a bunch of cap space, um, but one of the picks being Josh Jacobs. Um, and personally, you know, what Khalil Mack does, and I'm not saying he's not a great football player, folks. Don't kill me for what I'm about to say. It's not sacrilegious. Is just what I see. Khalil Mack does an outstanding job of beating the hell and, and, and creating three, four, five, six, seven, eight sacks in a bunch against very bad teams. But when he goes up against legitimate offensive tackles, he struggles. He struggles against Green Bay with Bakhtiari and Bulaga. He had no sacks. I believe he had two tackles in the opening night against Green Bay, and they did not give help. They're not chips. Those were tackles one-on-one with him. Those are two bookend tackles. Now, I have no doubt Trent Brown can hold his own. Right? Don't doubt that at all. You've seen what he did against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Miller on the other side, Colton Miller, I'm a little concerned on that side just because of who's going against him. I'm not saying Khalil Mack is overrated. I'm not saying he sucks. I'm just saying he he picks on really bad teams. Like what he did against Washington, and uh, who was the team they played before that? Uh, was um, it Minnesota? Minnesota? Minnesota. Minnesota they um, just played last week. Yeah, and their, their tackles suck. Right. Their offensive line is horrendous. So he did it against two very bad teams. He's put up great numbers against two very bad teams, but go look at the first couple weeks, and you see a guy that, that put up decent numbers in game two, but very little numbers game one. Not taking shots at them, just being honest with my assessment i think I think at this point, Wallers going to have to come up big, obviously Jacobs we talked about that earlier, and one thing that we are talking about bodies changing and adjusting to being in you know overseas you got to look at the air quality and the air, and what it's like is it more humid is it less humid like those are other things that affect your body, yeah. And to be there almost six days, you know, really, you know, you're there six days when the game starts. You practiced in it, so you you're you know how to adjust to it. I think the Raiders have a, a distinct advantage in this game. Does that mean they're going to win? No, right. it doesn't mean they're going to win. Right. But it means they got a better chance than what they did three weeks ago when 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 everybody thought they were going to get their ass kicked. You know, I, I think there's a legitimate chance that they, they win this game. And they go three and two. And if that happens, to you, I don't think it's out the question to start thinking a little bit about the playoffs. If the Raiders go three and two, and we talked about this on the last show, if they're three and two going into that bye week, you eat. After Green Bay, your schedule becomes, you know, is, is a little bit different.
1: But yeah. That Green, Bay game is be,
0: that Green Bay game is going to be tough. Yeah, No is. matter what anybody says.
1: Yeah, it is. It's going to be real tough. But,
0: but you have a chance to, to rip off. And even, even if you get to, like we said, between seven and nine wins is a great year for the Raiders. You get to three wins before your bye week. That's, a, that, that's, a, that's great steps in the right direction. And you could really, and that's what people need to start talking about. Versus all the other distractions that the Raiders have been having to deal with, and what what people have been talking about.
1: No, I agree. If they go three and two going into the bye, I mean, you couldn't ask for anything else. I mean, nobody thought they were going five and zero before the bye, right? I mean, three and two, you'll take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I mean, that's a that's a win, win, win. Think about this, man. They didn't pick up their second win of the season until Week Eleven in twenty eighteen. Think about that. That's November. You know, what I mean, if they get if they have three wins and by the end of the weekend, I mean, that's early October. That's a that's an absolute win. It shows that the team is headed in the right direction. This is a team that has a lot of turnover. It's a lot younger team than it was a year ago. Uh, guys that are there that were there before, they kind of know what they're doing a little bit more than they did. They're well versed on on what they're supposed to be doing with the coaching staff. They're, they're, they're knowing the game plan better. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about this. Ultimately, you know, everyone wants to see the Raiders go and win the AFC West, and they want to go see them make a deep run in the playoffs. And I'm not, you know, ready to sign up to, for that and say that that's going to happen because in the AFC West, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are still the they're still the, the the darlings of the of the division. I mean, they're the number one team in the division for a reason. They're four and zero for a reason. They're just that stinking good. But. If the Raiders continue to do what they're doing, and like you mentioned, man, after the Green Bay game, it does start to you know calm down a little bit. The schedule gets a little bit better. They're going to have a lot of home games at the end of their se- at the end of the uh, season. You know they really are. As as much as this stinks right now, being away from the Coliseum for as long as they are, once they get back, man, they're back. <laughs> you know, and then they have games where they travel up to LA. That's just about a home game too. I mean, you know, I mean it's like there. It's it's not that tough of sledding and anything could really happen. Plus they're gaining confidence along the way. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. I do believe they have an opportunity in this game. I know that that bears defense is going to be tough, but one thing I'll point out and you're trying to think of the game that the bears barely squeaked out that was against the Broncos. They barely squeaked out the game in Denver and that's mile high. And they really ran out of gas towards the end. You watch that game. They ran out of gas. If the Broncos had five more minutes, they'd have a win already in the season. They would have beat the bears if they had had about five more minutes. Or if they'd gone to overtime. They just didn't they just ran out of time. I've talked to multiple guys that covered yeah. the Bears and they said, hey man, if if the if the Broncos had anything uh left in the tank as far as like a little bit of time, they would have won that game because the the Bears were beat and they showed up to Denver really, really late. You know, and again, the elements and the uh the air quality, like you mentioned, is way way worse in london and i don't mean like dirty air i mean like uh, altitude and all that stuff it's way worse in london than it is in denver i mean, you think <laughs> you think denver is something i mean london is something else that's a whole nother animal so they absolutely could run out of uh, gas towards the end of the game if the raiders could stick around hang around and you know i don't expect it to be a high scoring game at all if, uh, if they can stick around and, and, and make it close at the end, they could absolutely steal that game or just flat-out win it, uh, depending on how the, the condition of, of the Bears' players are. And I think they're really going to be affected by getting to London so super late.
0: And I'll say this. Joe Flacco was the damn quarterback for the Broncos in that game, <laughs> not Derek Carr. It's true. I'll take Derek Carr all day over Joey Flacco. Yeah, sounds like an old mafia guy, mafioso. Joe Flacco <laughs> right. another interception in the concrete blender.
1: And I, I'll, I'll take I'll take Derek Carr over Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, or Chase Daniels
0: any day. One hundred percent. In fact, I'm, I'm gonna let it go because we already talked about Carr and I'm getting on a Carr rant again. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get right into some questions. And uh, you know, Carlos Hernandez Lo, sent us two good questions. Um, one of, one of which. Because of uh, PFF grades came out, and I guess uh, Cleveland Farrell was like the lowest rated pass rusher. Um, and he asked, you know, how would we grade Farrell after four games? Um, for me, it's four games. It's incomplete. Like, wait till the season's over. I mean, Aaron Donald last year, I think he, he played the first two or three games and had no sacks, was not impactful, ended up having, what, 20 something sacks last year. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Cleveland Farrell's Aaron Donald, but it's four games into his career. Give the guy some time. The Raiders are moving around to figure out what, what works best for him. It's an adjustment period. But you know what? He's doing other things that they're asking him to do with, uh, in terms of defense and in the locker room that the Raiders are very happy about.
1: Yeah, and I'll say about Cleve Farrell, it's really unfair for him because he was drafted number four overall, and he's always going to be looked at as the guy that's supposed to replace Khalil Mack. He's always going to be looked at that no matter what. I mean, just because they play the same position, he's going to be looked at as the pass rusher that is supposed to make everything better with Khalil Mack being there. And he's not Khalil Mack. He's not ever going to be Khalil Mack. And look, I mean, there's Khalil Mack has his own warts, but he has a lot of great as well. I mean, he really does. The thing about it is, even Mack in his rookie year only had four sacks. His rookie year, he only had four. And as he's gone throughout his career, and you, you already touched on it, he gets sacks in bunches. He'll go... One game and have one. Two games and only have one or two. And then all of a sudden, boom, one game he'll get like four in a strip sack. or something. I mean, that's just, that's been his pattern his whole career. You can go back and look at the numbers if you want, if folks don't believe me. And that's just who Khalil Mack is. I mean, there's games when he was with the, uh, the Raiders where he had five sacks against the Broncos alone. I mean there's just that's just who he is, you know, he's just a guy who gets him in bunches and so you don't want to get him started early. If you get him started early, then you could be in trouble. So that's just a, kind of a little advice for the Raiders. Don't allow him to get on your quarterback early. If he does, then he might be a long day. But if you can keep him off of him early and, and you know, you kinda of frustrate him throughout the game, then you have a fighting chance. But I think Cleve Farrell's done a, a good job against the run. Uh, you know, he does have one sack so far on the season. I know he's in concussion protocol right now, so he might not even play on Sunday, depending on if he can clear that. I mean, there's nothing you could do about that until you're absolutely 100% cleared. So we'll see if that happens, but, uh, you know, he, he's going to be a guy that's going to figure things out. You know, the team as, in a whole only has like what, five or six sacks on, in general. And, and Benson Mayoa has three and a half and he was a, a healthy scratch last week. So, I mean, th- th- there's that. So, uh, you know, he's, he's never going to be the guy that's going to put up 15, 16 sacks a game and he's not going to be a guy who's going to go and get a bunch of strip sacks. He's not going to be that dude. Uh, I know yards don't matter, but you know, the, the Raiders are like 40 yards. They're giving up like 40 yards less per, uh, per game than they did uh, a year ago. So, I mean, there's things that they're asking him to do. You mentioned they're moving him around just to see what the best fit is. He doesn't have a, de- a designated spot just yet. I mean, there's, there's something that they're trying to figure out with him and see exactly where's the best fit for him. He's been inside. He's been outside. I mean, he's been all over the place. So, uh, you got to give it time, man. I mean, Rome wasn't built overnight, and Clee Farrell's not going to be a finished product through four games. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. You just got to give him time. Right now, it's an incomplete. At the end of the season, we could look back and say, okay, this is how Clee rookie year went. But, uh, you know, as of right now, I mean, he is what he is, and he's going to continue to try to grow.
0: I agree. Los also asked, do we think the Raiders have any interest in Stefan Diggs? I guess Diggs oh, uh, didn't show up to practice today. And like, here's the thing with Stephon Diggs, and I've seen it a couple weeks ago. The dude is a hothead. And, and his, he, there's the talent is undeniable. I mean, we loved him at Maryland. uh hated that he went to the Vikings, because I hate the Vikings. But... The dude's a hothead. And I know he's frustrated with the quarterback play. Kirk Cousins is trash. He's frustrated. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's frustrated. Not that, yeah. So do I think he's going to get traded? The Vikings aren't going to blow up that team. They spent too much money on Anthony Barr and trying to rebuild that offensive line. And Kirk Cousins, and they gave Thielen money. They're, they gave uh, Hunter Smith money. They're not going to blow that team up. Um, so I don't even think that the Raiders are even going to trade for Diggs, and and I'm going to put this out there too, Q, and then I want you to jump in. Someone asked me yesterday privately, do I think the Raiders are going to trade for A.J. Green? No. Unless they get him locked up to a deal ahead of time, there's no way they're going to trade for a guy that hasn't played it down this season yet. Um, And at this point, I don't even think the Raiders trade for Jalen Ramsey. I think the Raiders are going to sit tight and let the cards, you know, just fall where they may and, and use their cards the best way that they can. I think the Jaguars' asking price is way too high. Yeah, it is. I don't think their owner wants to trade them. Um, and, I mean, I know Sean Khan doesn't want to trade him. I'll put it to you like that. I talked to somebody in that building where he's like, nah, we would have done the deal, but the ownership doesn't want to trade him. So, regardless, I don't think the Raiders trade for a receiver. You know, A.J. Green, Stephon Diggs, you know, insert player's name there. I just don't.
1: Yeah, I uh didn't know that you were <laughs> I th- thought you were still gonna say say some more. But anyway, uh no, I I'm with you. I don't think Stefan Diggs is in their in their future. Uh I don't even know how much he really doesn't want to be there, but I don't I don't think it even matters. I think that uh Minnesota, like you said, is gonna keep him, hold on to him because they do have a hell of a roster. That defense is a really good defense. Uh they have a great running back and Dalvin Cook Adam Thielen's a stud. Uh, Stephon Diggs could be a stud when Kirk Cousins is actually getting him the ball. But like you said, he's frustrating. So uh, I, I don't think that they are going get to get get that, uh, that team and blow them up anytime soon. Just because, again, they feel like they have an opportunity in the NFC North. And uh, A.J. Green, I wouldn't trade for him anyway. He's just been way too injured. The last few years for me, just way too injured. Uh, I say it all the time. It gets so old. I know it, but whatever the best ability is availability. And AJ green, like you said, hasn't played a down this season. There's a reason for that because he's been injured and that's just who he is. He's going into the final year of his deal. So he's going to want a long-term deal as well. I I'll be damned. If I were to give big time money to a guy who I'm not even sure if he's going to be on the field. I mean, it's one thing to go and give big time money to a A AB because you felt pretty confident that he'd be out there if he you could survive his knucklehead isms, clearly you couldn't, and that's fine. Uh, he couldn't clear. He couldn't. He couldn't uh, overcome his own knucklehead isms. I mean, he couldn't. I mean, that's why he's not in the league right now. But uh, that's a whole other story. So no, I, I don't think that they make that move, and I do think that the the, the asking price right now for Jalen Ramsey is way too high. Uh, I think the Raiders would have already made that deal if it was uh, more reasonable, but. In the, in the Jaguars' hearts, and the owner especially, they don't want to move on from him. If they did want to move on from him, they would have already done it. But they're trying to make it as difficult as possible to move on from Jalen.
0: I think if they move Jalen, and I say if, it's going to be in the offseason, because um, it would be in the final year of his deal, he'll make $13.6 million next year, which still is a good sum of money for a cornerback. I think tights him about I think he's in the 15 to 16. Yeah, yep. Um, but, but I... I, I don't see him after this season remaining in Jacksonville. A.J. Green, if you're a part of Raider Nation and you, and you obviously are listening to the show, I would say in the offseason, go sign him as a free agent. Keep your picks. Go draft Jeremy Judy or Jerry Judy from Alabama. Put him with Tyrell Williams, and you still have, you know, uh, you have Doss and you have Renfro. Not Renfro. Um, yeah, you got Renfro. Yeah, Renfro's Yeah, Renfro, yeah. I don't know. So that's what you do. You have those guys you can maybe go get a Green, and now you have really a really potent offense. But there's no way that I, I'm going to trade for an A.J. Green or Stephon Diggs for that matter. That's that's what it is. And that leads to the final question we have on the show, which is uh, we got asked if we think the Raiders are going to make any trades or keep the roster status quo. Hugh, you, you go ahead and, and – i'll I'll jump in after you
1: uh i don't think that they make any moves i i really don't i don't see them making any moves right now i think that they kind of roll the dice with what they have and see who they are and uh, further evaluate Similar to what they did in 2018, but this time it's obviously they're a they're they're a lot better team and they're a, a tougher time out each and every Sunday. I mean, they actually have a puncher's chance to win, I believe. Uh, they're, they're a lot better than they were a year ago, so I think they just kind of roll the dice and, and kind of uh, get that offense going as much as possible to fit the, the personnel that they have and uh, continue to use these young guys and see you know see see how they shake out. And then you kind of know who you have. And again, you still have a couple extra draft picks coming up in the next draft. Uh, you go and get the guys that you need. You mentioned a couple, uh, a couple wide receivers that could be studs, uh, either Judy from Alabama uh, rugs from Alabama. I mean, there's a, there's a, Few guys out there, a couple guys on Oklahoma right now that can that can get it done. I mean, there's there's dudes out there. So if you decide that that's what you really need, uh, I still think you need a big time linebacker, some kind of a a stud linebacker. I think you need to draft him early. But I know that you know Paul Gunther insists that you don't need one. But I think in this day and age of football, you really need to have one of those sideline to sideline three down uh, linebackers, a guy similar to a Roquan Smith, a guy similar to a you know a a Devin White uh, or a Devin Bush or you know those those type of guys. Uh, you you got to get that. You you absolutely do. And so uh, there's a few holes that the Raiders still need to fill. But uh, for the most part, right now, this uh, this season, I think all the moves that they were going to make probably uh, aren't going to be made. I think Jalen Ramsey, I think there was a shot that they were going to go get him. But like I just said, uh, I just don't think Jacksonville really wants to come up off him. If they did, they would have already pulled the trigger on it.
0: 100% agree with you. I, I just, unless there's somebody that's on a team that is extremely unhappy, and it, the Raiders are in a position where they're going to make a playoff push, and they know said player is available, and he goes to the team. They've so been there a very long time, and has had success there, but wants one more chance to win a ring or play another Super Bowl. I could see something like that happening. But I think the player I'm referring to is way too classy for that and understands where his place is in NFL history right now. And he'll be okay riding off into the sunset in the next year or two uh, where he's at. But I don't think there's anybody out there right now that's available for the Raiders to say, okay, we're going to go make this deal. And let's let's be honest, this is a really good draft coming up, at least on paper so far. Um, with guys that, that potentially are coming out, I mean, again, I brought, I brought up Judy from Alabama. Um, I'm not really looking at running backs for the Raiders, but defensive back-wise, there's some really, really good guys, some really good safeties, um, which I don't think they're going to need unless they let Cujo go. Um, you know, offensive line is going to be good. Defense There's a lot of defensive linemen and linebackers coming around this draft. So this is, this is going to be a draft that really fits the Raiders' needs. Plus, I don't think they want to give up any of those picks right now. Because let's say that time, when that time comes, the draft is in Vegas. There's so draft is in Vegas. Right. Imagine the Raiders having their two first round picks is going to go. I mean, it's to control the board with their plethora of first round picks. But right. With the Raiders, I mean, they're able to truly have an impact, you know, two first round, two day one picks, and then you have your picks on day three because they don't have the second round picks. I went to the Bears in the match trade, but they can do. A lot, and 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 again, they're building for the future. They're they're trying to win now, but they're also the guys they brought in are young enough to where they can continue to grow with the team and win in the to to win in the future, and then have some younger guys follow up behind them.
1: Yeah. So I, I agree. don't
0: think they're making any types of
1: deals. No, I don't either. I really don't. I'm with you 100% on that. I, I just don't see it. I, I kind of see the roster being okay. It's, it's, it's good enough to to get it done and win some games and, and see what you really have. Uh, you're not, you're not desperate. And, and yeah, man, if you're going to go into the draft in tr- 2020, why not go in with all your bullets? You know what I mean? If, now if you had an opportunity to make a couple moves early in the season, cool, I get it. But since you, you didn't, you weren't able to pull those triggers, fine. No doubt about it. Just go ahead and, and roll with what you got and, and, and make it happen. And, and oh, by the way, a little side note. Uh, if the Raiders had wanted Larry Fitzgerald, they could have got him uh, instead of drafting Robert Gallery. That's just a, a side note and that's just one of those that just burns me up every time I see Larry Fitzgerald, but that's a whole other story.
0: How do you know that's what I was referring to?
1: Because you said he's classy and he's not going to go out like that and he is one of the classiest. I was actually talking about him on my radio show on ESPN Central Texas today. I was like, this dude is he never hear him complaining about the team sucks. He has another quarterback. They're not going to the playoffs. He's getting beat up. It's not the scheme he wants to run. It's not the system he wants. You never hear none of that. Trade me stuff. You never hear nothing from him. All he does is go out and be the professional professional. And it just drives me crazy that stupid Robert Gallery was drafted instead of Larry Fitzgerald. So that's just one of my one of my issues that go all the way back to two thousand and four.
0: He when he was coming out, I remember I talked to I talked to three scouts. And two of them were no longer scouting. And they were like, oh, he's just too slow. He won't get off press. He's not going to separate. And the other guy was like, this guy is exactly what you want. I don't give a damn about his time speed. I don't give a damn. He creates separation with his route running. He's a natural. He plugs. He just was raving about him. He's still in the NFL. He's he's a higher up with the team now, with a team now. And um, the other two are no longer in the NFL there. I, I think they're, they're doing something. Well, I know they're doing something else. So um, it's funny when you say, and I agree, he's Fitzgerald. He, he's a special as a person, as a player. Um, I wish there was more guys like him, and, which the thing I want to end on Q um, is this. When I hear Derek Carr talk, I hear natural leadership. Hearing him talk today about Vontez Burfict, hearing him talk about the other situation that they had to deal with all offseason and during hard knocks, and once he was released, to hear him talk about how he stands at the podium, win or lose, you're getting the same guy. The, he, I want that out of my quarterback. That is the type of leadership that I look for and want out of a quarterback. I don't need a guy walking down the hallway and say, how do you like that? How about that? And then when times get rough, apologizing. I'll try to do better. (laughs) I don't need that. Right. I want want consistency. I want a leader. I want someone that's going to stand up there, take bullets when it's time to take bullets, and shoot bullets when it's time to shoot bullets. Derek Carr is that guy. And I I firmly believe that um, as the season goes on, his detractors, are going to be heard a lot less and less.
1: Well, you know that that winning is is the best perfume. It covers up everything, right? So uh yeah, if he's if he's winning some games, if they go into the buy 3 and 2 and then all of a sudden you know, seven or eight weeks in, they they've picked up four or five wins, whatever. I mean, the more they win, the less you're going to hear people talk because you really don't have a whole lot to say except for okay, you got to give them a you know tip of the cap and say all right, that, that's the way to go get it. Regardless how they get it done, I mean that dude is a starting quarterback and the wins and losses go under his name as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, the more that they succeed, the the better that they play, uh, the less that you're going to hear people chirp about them. So uh, I'm I'm not really getting on board with the whole. Derek Carr is a terrible quarterback. I'm not getting on board with Derek Carr as the end-all, be-all. I'm just going to let him play out the season and then, uh, you know, at the end can evaluate how everything shook out, how he did. And and then, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of open game to talk about whatever you want to talk about at that point. But uh, still being two and two right now through four games. Uh, again, if you're a Raider fan, you can't be too upset about that at all. You played well, three out of four really good teams. I mean, you really have three out of four really good teams, and you played four really good defenses, and you won two games. Got to feel pretty good about that.
0: 100% agree. Well, that's it for Q&A tonight. We appreciate you guys that you some time out of your day to listen to our show. You can be heard on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SD Nation. For Q, I'm Joe Arrigo. We want to thank you once again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.